Good morning, everyone. Welcome to chapel. Blessed Holy Week to you. Why don't we begin with a word of prayer? Lord Jesus Christ, you are the great I am, our Lord, our God, our Savior. In this week, when above all weeks we remember what you have done for us in your suffering and death, we pray that you come among us and guide us as we study your word. Teach us what you would have us know and draw us ever closer to you. In your name we pray. Amen. All right, we are wrapping up today our series on the I Am Statements of Jesus. We've been looking for the last seven Mondays at these great statements where Jesus uses the Greek words, ego eimi, I myself am, words that no pious Jew would say ordinarily because they would, say, they would hear in those words the divine name Yahweh. So when Jesus said them, it was taken as a shocking thing. He wasn't just telling us his identity in the words that he used, but even the title said, I'm God. And we've looked at a wide range of those. Last week we started John chapter 10, and this is a chapter that has two of them. So last Monday we looked at Jesus' words, I am the door, or the gate, the one who stands between the the flock of sheep and their danger. We enter to safety, to what we need through him, But people coming to the flock, going around the door, coming over the wall, mean us harm. And so we talked about the importance of remaining in Jesus, because he's the one who saves. He's the one who gives life and life abundantly, and it's a wonderful gift. And today that image continues as we see how he gives us that life. With another sheep imagery, Jesus is the good shepherd. In this final I am statement. So if you've got your Bibles, turn, turn to John chapter 10. We'll be spending most of our time there and uh, we'll look at some other verses. Uh, if you don't, I'll put them all up on the screen, but it's always good to follow along. Jesus says in John 10 verses 11 through 13, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who's a hired hand and not a shepherd Who does not own the sheep sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he's a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. See, we often romanticize the job of being a shepherd It's one of those great outdoor kind of ideals. You lounge around outside. You look at the cute little sheep running around. You get some nice sunshine. But being a shepherd in the old days was dangerous work. Look at how David describes his work in 1 Samuel 17. David said to Saul, Your servant used to keep sheep for his father. And when there came a lion or a bear and took a lamb from the flock... I went after him and struck him and delivered it out of his mouth. And if he arose against me, I caught him by his beard and struck him and killed him. That is a gutsy shepherd. That's a job. I'm going to attack lions and bears to save my sheep. But one who doesn't care about his flock won't act with such concern. In fact, they're more likely simply to go the other way when danger comes up. I always think when I hear these words about one of the formative events of my life, 
When I was in high school, I was robbed and briefly held hostage while working in Del Taco, of all places. And it always amazed me afterwards how many people asked, what did you do? I'm going to die for Del Taco? Give me a break. (laughs) I would have made them a burrito if they'd asked for it. Whatever they wanted, we were going to do. They had the guns. We were the victims. Things were really simple to figure out. You do whatever they want. It wasn't my place. It wasn't my stuff. It comes down to ownership. A shepherd who cares for his flock is going to risk himself for that flock. But if it's someone else's, yeah, let them get more sheep. Not my problem. There's examples throughout scripture of both good and bad shepherds. Just to show you how widespread this image is through the Bible. Jeremiah 10 For the shepherds are stupid and do not inquire of the Lord. Therefore, they've not prospered and their flock is scattered. Those would be harsh words if they were talking about people tending literal sheep. But it's talking about the shepherds of Israel. The people there to take charge of the nation were stupid and the people were scattered. Or Ezekiel 34. The word of the Lord came to me, son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy and say to them, even to the shepherds, thus says the Lord God. Ah, shepherds of Israel, who have been feeding yourselves, should not shepherds feed their sheep? Same kinds of leaders. Meant to be caring for God's people and instead they only cared for what was in their own best interest. They cared for themselves and the chapter goes on like that for a long time. But then there's the right kind of shepherd. Jesus doesn't just say I'm the shepherd. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father and I lay down my life for the sheep. He's not just any shepherd. He's the good one. The one who puts himself on the line for his sheep. He lays down his life so that even if he dies, we live. Now no one who knew their Bible who was listening to Jesus would have been terribly surprised at the image of a shepherd being applied to following people. The Old Testament's filled with examples, and here's just a few, that anticipate God being the shepherd. That famous Psalm 23. The Lord. Notice the way it's spelled. Yahweh, I am, is my shepherd. I shall not want. The same words that Jesus uses to describe himself as a shepherd. Or Psalm 80, give ear, O shepherd of Israel, you who lead Joseph like a flock, you who are enthroned between the cherubim. A beautiful passage. I think Isaiah ripped it off from uh, George Friedrich Handel, if I remember correctly. Something like that. Safe might tell you that at least. Isaiah 40, he will tend his flock like a shepherd. He will gather his lambs in his arms. He will carry them in his bosom and gently lead those that are with young. Or Jeremiah 31. He who scattered Israel will gather him and will keep him like a shepherd keeps his flock. 
All over the place in the Old Testament, we find things like this. And after Jesus speaks these words in John, the New Testament picks it up in many places. Here's just two examples from later on. Hebrews 13. Now may the God of peace, who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus Christ, the great shepherd of the sheep, by the blood of the eternal covenant, equip you with everything good. Or 1 Peter 5 verse 1 calls Jesus the chief shepherd who returns to gather his flock and take us to our heavenly pastures. See how big this theme is? All over the place in the Bible, we find ideas like this. Jesus is the good shepherd. The I am the one who lays down his life for the sheep, the one who identifies himself with God, both in name and in a divine role, and the one who in the verses that we looked at last week had said, the leaders who came before me, they're the bad shepherds. They're the ones who are the thieves and the robbers. They're the ones who are looking for lamb chops or a few cheap dollars and not for the good of the flock. So look at how this is responded to. Jesus speaks these words, words to which Israel should have warmed up. They should have looked at this and said, at last, he's here. The one promised, our shepherd has come who gathers us together, who leads us into all good things. The good shepherd who loves us, who will give himself for us, is in our midst. But his words were hard. His words meant that they had to challenge their false assumptions and their bad theology and their lack of faith. And so look at what John 10, 19 through 21 says. There was again a division among the Jews because of these words. How did we get on farther? There we are. There it is. I lost a page. These are the words that divided about. If anyone finds page 62 of the study, let me know. Uh, John 10, 16. Jesus says, I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. For this reason the Father loves me, because I will lay down my life that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down. I have authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my Father. Now let's get something taken care of right here. Jesus is not saying here that he has another flock in the United States and he's going to show up and teach something radically different than he taught during his entire ministry. That's not backed up there. When Jesus says, I have other sheep that are not of this fold, he's been talking to a group of Jews. And he's telling them, the flock is bigger than you can ever imagine. The flock that's going to be gathered comes from every tribe and nation and people and language. And they're going to be gathered by this one shepherd into one flock around the same eternal gospel, the work of what Jesus has done for us. In fact, there's a wonderful little uh, 
bit of poetry in the middle of this. In verse 16, Jesus says there'll be one flock and one shepherd. We don't have the kinds of words to use that Greek does. The closest I can get to the poetry there, there'll be one sheep herd under one shepherd. The unity of God's people is a unity around the good shepherd, the one who lays down his life for the sheep, the one who lays it down and takes it up again. Not only is he willing to do it, he does it. In this Holy Week, don't lose sight of how active Jesus is in our redemption. For too long, Christians have allowed debates to happen regarding the question of who's responsible for killing Jesus. For the record, if you want to settle that one, I am. My sin was more than enough, so if you want to blame someone, blame me, and I think many of you will be able to join me in that same confession. But if we listen to the words of Jesus, who's responsible for his death? He is. He chose it a death that he didn't deserve, he chose to lay down his life and to take it up again so that he could save his flock. He chose it for you. He chose it for me. He's putting himself at the center of all human existence because he is there, because he is God. So now look at the response from John 10. There's division among the Jews because of these words. Many of them said he has a demon and is insane. Why listen to him? Others said, these are not the words of one who's oppressed by a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? Those of you who are in core theology, you recognize this argument, right? It's where some of your textbooks borrowed it from. Right from the words of John. They don't know what to make of his words. They're divided. He's claiming to be God. They recognize it. He's claiming that he's going to die and come back to life again. They don't know what to do with that, despite the fact that they'd seen resurrections. They're confused. And in their confusion, some time passes. Time passes. And finally, they build up the courage to ask if he's the Christ. And Jesus tells him a little more of his identity. He shows them again what he's come to do and he answers with some challenging words. From John 10, 26 through 33, you do not believe because you are not among my sheep. He's not speaking to all people. He's speaking to the people to whom he gave this good news of salvation and they said that he had a demon. And he says, you're not listening, but my sheep, my sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they shall never perish and no one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all and no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. I and the Father are one. The Jews picked up stones again to stone him. 
Jesus answered, I have shown you many good works from the Father. For which of them are you going to stone me? The Jews answered him, It is not for a good work that we're going to stone you, but for blasphemy, because you, being a man, make yourself God. Now this is the critique of unbelievers, but notice that they get the point. John 10.30 is one of those verses that are often quoted by Christians in light of people who don't read the Gospels very carefully and say, Jesus never claimed to be God, this is one of those passages that Christians often pull out to say, want to bet? I and the Father are one. And even then, people debate to try to get around it. But it's not just that one verse. If you look at the context of everything that Jesus is saying here, it's filled with example after example of a claim to be something more than just another teacher. I give my life for your salvation. I keep you safe from your enemies. I give you eternal life. I am. I and the Father are one. And his critics understood. The evidence for the claims of Jesus in here that he really is claiming to be God, is found not only in the words he speaks, but in the reaction of the people who don't believe him. Because they know what he means and reject it. And in doing that, they act like pious Jews. They pick up stones to kill him for blasphemy. They recognize his claims, but they don't believe And yet on this day, on the day in John 10, they don't succeed in stoning Jesus for blasphemy. This one will not die by stoning, and he will not die because of this false witness. He will die by dying the death his sheep deserve. By dying on a cross where he would lay down his life for the sins of the whole world where the good shepherd puts himself between his flock and the greatest danger they would ever face, the dangers of sin, of death, of the devil, where he, the only one who didn't deserve that place, would bleed and suffer and die for stupid, smelly, wandering sheep like me and like you. The good shepherd gives his life for all of his sheep. And the good shepherd takes his life up again that he can give it to you and he can give it to me. Because because of what he does in this week, verse 28, I give my sheep eternal life. They will never perish and no one can snatch them out of my hand. Oh, it might feel like it sometimes. It might feel like the world all around us is blowing up, like everything's out of control, like we don't have any hope, like no one understands. On every side is danger. But never forget, we rest secure in the hand of Jesus, the good shepherd, the hand of God. And his promise is no one 
will ever snatch you out. No one will ever take you away because you belong to him. He knows his sheep. He does everything necessary to to hang on to you, even giving his life. Because Jesus, God himself, is your good shepherd. He is the I am, and we are his.